Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Just a moment. I'll be joined by my co-hosts and colleagues, Action Network soccer experts, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. Uh, but before I bring in those two gentlemen, a reminder that Wonder Gold is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado and Ohio where you can bet $1 on any game and get $200 back. All right, uh, a weird slate. Usually we start with the headliner, Anthony and BJ, as usually a um, pretty easy pick. Uh, not so much this week unless you think Everton and, and Brentford. Because it is probably the best match, honestly. It, I, I would say it is. Uh, but we'll start. We'll just go chronologically. So we'll start 730 in the morning. Bournemouth, Anthony's Bournemouth. They're six to one at home, hosting Liverpool minus two twenty-five, and uh, the draw is plus two fifty. Of course, these odds are provided to us by Bet three six five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Liverpool's coming off of the famous seven nothing victory over Manchester United. Someone on the show had United as their best bet last week. We won't point fingers. Um, and they have Real Madrid on deck how much they're going to care about that match on Wednesday. They're down 5-2 on aggregate. I mean, they've, they've done it before. Who knows? But either way, this looks like a uh, a smash spot for, for Anthony's new favorite bet, and or at least some kind of variation of it, which is the cherries to get on the board. Oh, yeah. You know, we talked about this on the Sunday show. Uh Easiest cash of all time was Brentford or Bournemouth team total over. Well, we're going back to the well. Uh, the Cherries have actually come to life a bit in attack, and uh, I actually think the market is underrating their attack now. After we, you know, we talked about pretty much all of December and most of the pre World Cup period, saying you know this team is going to regress, and they had a very long stretch where they were either you know pretty much like zero 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 one zero zero goals scored. Uh, they've now produced at least one expected goal in each of their last six Prem matches. And that includes games against Wolves, Newcastle, and Brighton, who are all better defenses than Liverpool uh, this season. Look, the seven-goal outburst was impressive. Uh, we will talk on Sunday's episode what I think it could mean for their second leg against Real Madrid in terms of uh, searching for margin, potentially. But in this matchup, uh, Liverpool has two main flaws that we've talked about all season long. They have not been good at stopping crosses and they have not been good at stopping set pieces. And that is pretty much what Bournemouth does to generate most of its chances. 
they also have a new kickoff strategy uh, where they are about 50% likely to score a goal on the opening kickoff of either the regulation or the uh, second half, apparently. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I think it's a, it's a sign of, of what I think is creativity. Uh, and we may see some set piece routines, some throw in stuff. Uh, manufacturing goals is something that, you know, a team like Brentford and Brighton have been so good at doing on set pieces and is where they really gained an edge. Uh, Bournemouth leaning into that a little bit is a positive sign for this attack because otherwise it's, it's a quite poor attack. Uh, they are not good at getting shots. They're the worst attack in the Prem by XG for the season. But like I said, they have been trending in the right direction. Uh, Liverpool's defense, even in the dominant win, did concede uh, some good opportunities for Man United. Uh, and so I think Bournemouth will get on the board at home. Remember, this is also a bit of a revenge spot. You know, you give up nine goals to a team, you get embarrassed in the first meeting. There's going to be some, there should be some type of natural response uh, to give it a go here and not get uh, pasted again. You know, you'd expect them to do something here. So I'm going to take both teams to score. Find that at minus 117 is the best as of recording. Uh, and uh, we re-ride our cherries again. Yeah, I think it's a, a good bet both teams to score. Uh, but the hilarious thing will be when Bournemouth scores in like the third minute and then they just hold on and you should have just went with the Bournemouth team total over. Uh, BJ, what are you thinking here? I'm right, I'm right there with Anthony. I love both teams to score. I actually have a projected at minus 190. Uh, you know, we're going for three for three with Bournemouth scoring against a big six club, uh, which is kind of funny. But guess what? They've actually created over one, at least one expected goal in their last six matches. And it's not been a against cupcakes either you know nottingham forest brighton newcastle wolves city and arsenal they're like anthony mentioned they're a very very good set piece team they're fourth and next cheaper set piece liverpool dead last in the premier league in that category defensively now the bournemouth defense it's been really bad since the world cup break like there's no way of sugarcoating 18.5 expected goals allowed in their last 10 matches um the thing though is is that you know liverpool's defense has obviously been bad all season long. I think they are getting better with Kanate and Van Dyke both being healthy and playing together. But, you know, the Bournemouth attack does have more talented players like Otara. And obviously through that stretch when they were not scoring, some guys were injured. So they just didn't really have anybody to go forward and attack. So I think this is a a pretty low uh, both teams to score here. Uh, you know, and the thing about Bournemouth as well is, and this is something we'll talk about as we get further into the season uh, but like they're at the bottom of the table. They can't just sit back in a low block and just say, Hey, Liverpool have the ball. We're going to try to play this out for a zero, zero draw. No, they need to be aggressive. They need to come out. And yeah, I, I don't really, I would guess Liverpool takes this match uh, more seriously than the one against Real Madrid. Uh, but again, they've looked very, very vulnerable in transition. So I agree with Anthony, both teams to score at minus minus one seventeen. I think is a fantastic price. Uh, all right. Uh, We'll talk about the other Merseyside team now. Everton is plus 162 against Brentford, who are coming to Goodison Park as a plus 175. Underdog, the draw, plus 220. little trivia for you guys. There are three teams in Europe's big five leads, leagues that have yet to lose a match. One of them is Brentford. Do you guys know the other two? Since the World Cup break? Yep. Um, uh, Reams? Reams is one. Um, I'm not. I don't know. Dortmund. I, I, I'm Dortmund. That's well, Dortmund just lost. Well, yeah. So was that was well? No, I'm sorry. I should have said domestic. Domestically. No. Domestically. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Reams and Dortmund, uh, and Brentford, the 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 big three. Uh, I do think that this sets up all right for Everton, at home, gonna play their kind of rigid defensive style. They just can't score. I mean, I I think this. Is actually a pretty decent draw bet at plus two twenty. Feels pretty low event. You can bet, yeah, Neil Neil Mopai any anytime goal scorer plus a million if you want it. But other than that, very little betting interest for me. But obviously, we'll be white knuckling through this one as the Toffees continue their relegation battle. Uh, Anthony, you were you were thinking about it though. Yeah, I think this is a good uh, potential. Sell high spot. I mean, you just made the stat. They have not lost since the World Cup break. I had that in my notes, but I didn't have the one of two teams in Europe. Uh, it's top five leagues to not lose since the World Cup break. But I, I think that kind of gets at the point here. Look, they had a huge win on Monday night against Fulham. And I know we all bet Brentford and we all were like, this is going to be easy for them. And in the end, like it was a pretty routine win. 
but that's a big derby. The dramatic way that it went down and, and, you know, getting, you know, three goals and hanging on late. Uh, it was a very emotional win. And I think there's a potential for them to be flat here going on the road to Everton. We've talked about this since this pot has existed about Brentford's home and away splits being notable. Well, Everton's home and away splits are pretty notable too. And even if you just look, you know, it, you know, they, they weren't that bad under Lampard at home uh, and they've been solid at home under Dyche as well. I know they lost to Villa in their last home match, but they won that on uh, non-penalty XG. Like they were the better side for large parts of that match. I thought until a couple of defensive miscues at home against Leeds, they, they pretty much controlled that match. At home against Arsenal, they controlled that match. At home against Southampton, they were the better side, even though they lost. Uh, at home against Wolves, they were the better side, even though they lost. Like They have put together some good home performances. The reason I don't like betting this is that the number, I mean, there's just never value fading Brentford because, uh, at least in my numbers, the market just never gives them respect. And so, you know, if they were a true favorite here, I could back the Toffees, but, but you know, the Everton's a favorite and, and my numbers have Brentford it's a solidly better team. You factor in home field. It gets me right around to where it is. So the spot I think is good for Everton. The number is less good. Uh, so I'll be monitoring this one and potentially looking to play Everton. But again, it's like there's there's almost never value betting against Brentford. In fact, I don't think I've bet against them all year. It's just kind of how it has ended up. And I yeah, I think I'm uh, the same. Just the reality. Uh, you wonder if 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 their professional gambler owner. Maybe he, he knows how to balance the market so that there's always a little smidge of value on, on his bees. Smart thinking. Uh, BJ, what do you got? I like a double bet here. I actually do like Brentford John a bet at minus 110. And I also like over two and a half goals. Uh, you can find it out there at plus 140 right now. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You know, you see Sean Deitch and you always think, oh my gosh, he's such a defensive manager. And the same thing about Brentford because of how good they are defending their penalty area. But Everton... Michael, ever since Sean Dyche came on board, they've been playing high event soccer. I mean, there are six matches that he's been in charge. Those matches are averaging three expected goals. And despite, and that's despite playing Arsenal and Liverpool twice, you know, Everton's created over one expected goal in five of those six matches. So the offense has been somewhat, has been good. But I think the bigger point is we saw this near the end with Sean Dyche with his tenure with Burnley when they were in the relegation zone and they were fighting. They couldn't just sit back. They had to be aggressive. They had to come out. They couldn't play a low block. You would go to a mid block. He would try to press to disrupt teams from building up. And it just didn't really work. And it actually created some high event type matches. And if you go back and watch the, the Nottingham Forest match, there were countless times that the middle of the pitch was, was pretty wide open to pass right into. And Brentford is an unbelievable team at playing through the middle of the pitch. So you know, if Everton is is going to turn this game into being transitional, which is honestly where they, they're, they're at best offensively, but that's the problem they had under Frank Lampard for such a long time is that they were just so, so bad in transition defense. So if you want to make this game transitional, that's a really dangerous game to play against Brentford. Now, Brentford's just been flat out awesome against the bottom half of the table. 14 matches against the bottom 10 teams, averaging 1.42 expected goals per 90. And they have a plus 4.1 expected goal differential. And Brentford also showed, and I mentioned this before, but their style of play when they're playing teams in the bottom half table, or at least teams that aren't going to control a lot of possession, is they switch from a 3-5-2 to a 4-3-3, bring on a winger, take off a center back to give them more attacking options going forward so they can break down a team who wants to play a mid to low block. So I think that's what you're going to see here again. You know, the previous meeting, Everton went up one nothing in the first half after a Anthony Gordon banger. Um, and Brentford just proceeded to completely tilt the field on, on Everton, created over two expected goals, created two big scoring chances, put one of them in the back, and then end up with a 1-1 draw. But that match had 3.2 expected goals in it. So I am projecting 2.88 goals for this match. So I love over two and a half goals at plus 140, and I actually project Brentford as a, as a plus 127 favorite. So I like them drawing a bet at minus 110. Yeah, but your numbers don't factor that Michael Keane's back in the squad. That's true. <laughs> So. I did not back that in. He's that's worth at least that's worth at least ten percent. Fifty cents on the line. Yeah, at least at least. Uh, Mape Mape being out would be another fifty cents, and there you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Leeds United. Anthony's Leeds United. They're plus two seventy five. Hosting Failed Brighton to score last weekend. <laughs> Brighton's odds on on the road here at, at Ellen Road. Uh, the draw is plus two sixty. Leeds, uh, 
offensive output slowed has slowed down a little bit over the last eleven matches. It's just under uh, eleven ex- expected goals in total. So you know, not the not the high flying leads that Anthony told us was going to show up and and cr- gate crash the top four this year, but because uh, they fired Jesse Marsh, right? Yeah, this that is was supposed uh, to fix it. But look, the people told me that he was the problem. I don't think he was. Uh oh. And are they they're in the relegation place right now. It's they are one above Everton right now. Yeah. Um, on, on not a good front. place to be. Uh, I another another match that's it's going to be a, a pass for me. Uh, pretty easy one I thought, but you two both have plays, or at least BJ has one. And Anthony, you're thinking about it. Uh, so we'll start I'm waiting. We'll start with you, BJ. I love Brighton again. Like I love their team total over one and a half, uh, which you can find out there at even money. Uh, I don't really want to, you know, I project a little bit of value on their money line, but I'm just projecting a lot more value on their team total, which I have projected uh, pretty much right at two for them. I mean, this is a classic case. Like we've seen it when the matches against Liverpool, it's like when a team that loves to press high wants to try to press Brighton and they can just bait them in and just play right through them. I mean, how are they not going to do that yet again here to Leeds? And the Brighton offense, I mean, people are starting to finally like take note, like, hey, Brighton is actually like a, you know, a Champions League level type club right now, the way that they're playing. Uh, I mean, since the Zerbi took over, Brighton's averaging over two expected goals per 90. In their last seven matches, they have created 16.2 expected goals and 11 big scoring chances. And under Zerbi, they have a plus 0.97 non-penalty expected goal differential per 90 minutes only two teams in the premier league since deserve took over at the beginning of october have a better and it's barely and it's arsenal and manchester city the two teams vying for the title even last weekend against one of the best low block teams in the premier league brighton put in one of the most impressive offensive performances of the entire premier league season put up three and a half expected goals put the ball in the back of the net four times created three big scoring chances and when Leeds has to face teams that are really good at playing through pressure. They tend to be pretty bad defensively against the top five teams in offensive pass per defensive action. They've allowed 9.3 expected goals in those five matches. And the last time they faced Brighton, albeit it was under Graham Potter and Jesse Marsh, Brighton won the match one, nothing created two expected goals. And that was before Mitoma and Ferguson were regularly playing inside the starting 11. So over one and a half Brighton team total, even money. I project them for two goals. So I think it's a fantastic price on the Seagulls who are, man, they are red hot right now. Uh, Anthony, uh, you, you have a, a little bit of a rebuttal here. Well, I want to know, did, did BJ go and start a Brighton syndicate and not tell us? Uh, because they have gotten steamed over and over and over again uh, in the last month. Yep. And uh, somebody in the market really likes Brighton. Uh, I like Brighton. You like Brighton. We as a podcast, we are a Brighton podcast. Uh, but you know, it's been like 30, 40 cents. I mean, some of it was Mitrovic when they played Fulham, but even last week against West Ham, they were minus 110, 15 most of the week, ended up closing closer to minus 150, 55. That's a pretty big move game day. Uh, this is not stuff that's happening throughout the week, but within the few hours before the game. So um, some pretty big money moving those markets. Uh, and I respect the market and I respect Brighton. And I'm going to wait and see here because I think if we get more market steam, on the Seagulls, I will be hopping in on Leeds. So I'm anticipating potential occurring. If you like Leeds, I think it's worth waiting. Uh, and I think at that point, once we get that steam, you're going to be able to sell high here. Yes, I know uh, that, that Brighton has been incredible. They've put up ridiculous XG numbers and, and have been amazing. Uh, but I think they will get to a point where they are overrated in the market. And I think if they steam up to minus 140 here, minus 135 even, uh, I will come back on Leeds at home. I mean, think about and they were just minus 110 at Palace. Uh, and now they're going to be a much bigger road favorite at Leeds. I do think it's interesting that Leeds uh, can disrupt, you know, Brighton. We've talked about this. They want to uh, they want to encourage you to press them and then try to beat you over the top with it. Uh, and it didn't work for Liverpool, but Liverpool's just not a very good press at the time that they played them. Uh, and I think Leeds are uh, better out of possession, better work rate, and have disrupted, you know, teams like United uh, in home matches especially uh, and Arsenal even going back to the fall so they have shown that they can do this against possession teams that want to invite pressure so I think they can disrupt a little bit and uh, do enough but uh, like I said I'm waiting if the market stays here though I have no play uh, on to Leicester and Chelsea now I'm pretty excited about this one uh, Leicester City's 
plus 275 home underdog Chelsea minus 106 the draws plus 250 uh, I love Chelsea here as a as a favorite on the road it felt like uh, the lid has come off a little bit at Stanford Bridge everyone can kind of relax they're gonna win the Champions League it's you know put down the torches and pitchforks yeah, outside competition yeah they can win it now yeah <laughs> uh yeah, put put down the, the torches outside of Grand Potter's house and uh, just look at the numbers. Very Brighton-esque. Uh, 16.2 expected goals since the World Cup. Seven scored. Defensively, the numbers are great. Uh, according to Understat's expected points, Chelsea has the fourth most uh, since the World Cup. And who better for all this to kind of bubble to the surface against but Leicester City? I think this is a pretty tough matchup for the Foxes. Chelsea gets on a roll. Uh, I like the Blues as a uh, road favorite. Anthony, what are your thoughts? I agree. Uh, I'll make a two for two on Chelsea. I'm going to bet them again. We had them uh, on Tuesday against Dortmund. Maybe a little lucky, you know, with the the penalty and the retake and the you know, but they were overly dominant until that game got to two nil. I thought they deserved to uh, go through in the end against Dortmund. Chelsea's biggest flaw has been set pieces. They've been really bad on them this year. You look at some of the data; uh, they are 16th and or 13th in xG per set piece allowed, and and they've been pretty bad in attacking set pieces as well. But Leicester's worse in both, and this is a long-standing problem. We talked about it last year when they conceded a ridiculous amount of goals from set pieces. And then this year they've conceded fewer goals, but the underlying stuff suggests they haven't really gotten better. They've just gotten luckier defensively uh, or less unlucky on set pieces. So from the rest of the matchup, I agree. I think this is good for Chelsea. The most impressive thing that I saw from Chelsea this week was not the Dortmund game actually, but the Leeds game, because I thought that Leeds would be able to disrupt the pressure and, and or disrupt the defensive possession and, and really make Chelsea uncomfortable and force a bunch of high turnovers. They didn't do any of that. Uh, and Leicester does like to press a little bit and make themselves a little bit vulnerable. They like to create high turnovers. They're top five in the league at doing so. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Chelsea team, which we saw this under Potter. The first thing that they improved was their ability to play through pressure. And that's why we started liking them as an underdog. Uh, well, now that they have way more talented players, they should be even better at it. Uh, and I like Chelsea to win here. I don't think Leicester's offering much. Havertz is, I mean, he's so due to score at this point. He keeps finding the posts. He scores offside goals by like a toenail. He hits the inside of the post. It rolls across the goal line. Uh, Havertz has been getting more shots though. And that's more encouraging and, and really what I care about uh, because it means the goals will come. So I really don't like this Leicester team. I'm much lower than the market on them. And I have been all year. They are the worst defense by non-penalty XG allowed in the whole league. Uh, so even though I like Iannaccio, I'm fading Leicester. Uh, and I will be betting the blues on the money line. Yeah, Havertz up. So- pick it up uh, when he goes back to Bayer Leverkusen uh, next year or something. Uh, right back to you, Anthony. Uh, Spurs and Forrest. Conte Spurs. out. Spurs minus two. Oh, he's already, he's already on the beach, man. He's, he's, oh, yeah. he's uh, on the beach. He's he's at, what, what what's the club that Ronaldo's at? El Nasser. That's where he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to manage. He couldn't even manage the Guangzhou Tigers at this point. Is that where, is that where Rafa Benitez was at? at before everything. I think that's where Hulk By was the way, playing. Mike, uh, shout out your guy, Richarlison, today. Did you see his quote? I agree. Oh, we love him. We love him. It's a great shout. I mean, he's People stunk. When there, he's been on the pitch, uh, he hasn't been any good. Yeah, his quote is, I'm I'm honest. This season has been shit. I want to play. <laughs> yeah. He's the best. He should, he If he just mutually terminates his contract. Come back uh, and be blue again. He can rescue us from relegation once more. Uh, it, Spurs, it, it, minus 250, hosting Nottingham Forest. Plus 650, the draws plus 375. Before I give it to you, Anthony, I think I'm just going to keep betting these draws in Tottenham games. The games are not only are they are already a pretty low event team with the way they want to set up, and we're going to see the same thing from Forrest. It's going to be two walls setting, just staring at each other, daring Spurs to break them down. I think the Conte stuff and like just the they, they're out of the Champions League and the way the season has gone, it's just I'm not really expecting all that much from from this team down the stretch here. So I could see just so most of these, what do they got? 12 games left? Like six of them just being absolute snoozers that are going to be good draw bets. And, and this is one of them. 
I mean, I write about Spurs every week, uh, and I told our editor Avery, and I'm like, I'm tired of writing about Tottenham. I will not write about Tottenham against Nottingham Forest. I think I bet either against Spurs or bet the under in like their last seven matches or eight matches. The market has just had uh, a lot of respect for goals in their games that I just didn't see, and and the defense has improved. Give them credit, but like I said this last week, Son and Kane are worse, and forever those two guys carried a mediocre team with Lloris. They had that brief period under Conte where things were really, really, really good, and they were legitimately the third best team in the league. They're no longer, you know, it was clear by September, October that they were no longer producing those kind of numbers. They've gotten worse as the season has gone on, not better. Now you have clubhouse dissension. It feels like Tottenham season ended today against Milan, and that's a little bit of like the betting market. You know, you can't just fade Spurs every match for the rest of the season, but I still think there's more regression coming. I, you know, this is kind of like where we're at with Liverpool and Chelsea, where I'm like, we have not hit the bottom yet. We have not hit the bottom yet. I still don't think we have. I think Forrest is really bad. Forrest does like to, you know, apply some pressure and, and kind of take risks defensively. And so I don't love the matchup with Tottenham, but the, I still have value on them. And I would not blame anybody for firing on Forrest money line or the under. I, I just think that, you know, Tottenham's attack is just lifeless. Uh, and, you know, I just think that there's a good chance that they quit uh, and that the rest of the season is ugly here because, Maybe if a new manager comes in, things change. But Conte's done a really poor job this season, and they uh, have not been good really all year. And I'm I'm tired of it. I haven't turned the match off. Once Kane missed that chance, and then Milan, I just turned it off. I was done. Maybe they'll score. I don't need to watch. They're not, you know. So I have checked out. I'm Conte out, and I have no actual bet on this match. I will be probably passing, but like I said, I won't blame you for playing Forrest money line or draw because I think there's a lot of downside risk for Tottenham here. Well, you know, Anthony Forrest has got to like score to win the match and they've still only scored three goals away from home. So yes. that's, that's the, the shining light. And Hey, Todd, just bet the under again. It'll end. Yeah, no, Tottenham's no, still maybe. very alive in the top four. I know it seems like it's dead, but like they're dead. They're still alive. We're Brighton just, has a better chance of getting top four than Spurs. Maybe. Crystal palace nine to one There's at home four. to Manchester city who are minus three hundred. Uh, the draw is four to one. This is the twelve thirty game uh, on Saturday, and another one that uh, I'm not going to be be playing. Can we stop putting Palace in, in prime time, please? Slots like <laughs> they're so boring. Like I don't really know what to say more about Chris Palace anymore. Like that match against Aston Villa was one of the more like snoozy type matches of the entire season. Like they gave an own goal, they got a red card, and like that was that. They took three total shots. So. I think there's something interesting happening with City in the market, though, the last few matches. If you look at the match, and now, granted, it's because, you know, especially the match against Bournemouth is because they had a champion. They're either coming off champions or they're going into one. I can't remember. Um, they went from minus 400 to minus 300 by close. And even against Newcastle, they went from minus 230 to minus 210. So they're sitting at minus 285 right now. Like I have City projected at minus 265. And it obviously is a look-head spot. Obviously, they have to take this one seriously if they're going to, you know, can still compete for the Premier League title, but then they also have that huge Champions League match against RB Leipzig. So it's a very weird, like, spot. So, yeah, I'm passing unless we get some some Crystal Palace steam, which I, it's hard to believe we will, but who knows? <laughs> for whatever reason, the 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 market is is not like in Manchester City right now. Uh, Fulham and Arsenal as we go on to Sunday. Hold this on. Is, yo, you you want to... I, I got to weigh in here. You do? I am... Gonna take this time to recommend it's not a wager. In the doc. It's not in the doc. You can't. You can't talk about it. I think I put it. So, I think I put it in my own little doc and didn't didn't transfer it over to the main doc. No, but that's a little inside it. baseball. I, I how know. we how we produce oh, the show. Put this in the doc, and I deleted it when I saw it. <laughs> oh, the, the the bet was uh, anything plus money, Manchester City to win the league. Because I, I think they're a much better team than Arsenal. I think Arsenal are dealing with a bunch of injuries now. I know Gabriel Jesus is coming back. Uh, but I think there's a bunch of regression coming for Arsenal and you're getting them at plus money. They're five points down. They have the game at home, but it's not just that game. Uh, the reason I like this is I actually think the fixtures line up really well for city. Arsenal may go out of Europe. So that will factor in here, but Arsenal has at Liverpool at city at Newcastle, Chelsea at home. Those are their four toughest fixtures left. They also have Brighton at home. So we'll say those are the the, the key five, but the four that I think are the toughest, they have to go on the road to Liverpool and City and Newcastle. City, on the other hand, gets to host Liverpool, 
host Chelsea, host Arsenal, and they're done with Newcastle and Spurs. So I, I think the fixtures with them getting them at home versus Arsenal having to go on the road, huge difference, especially the Liverpool fixture. Because uh, Arsenal going to Liverpool, given that Liverpool seems to be uh, improving and, and getting ready to go on another top four run here, that's going to be really tough. And then, of course, they go to City. Uh, and I think they're much more apt to drop points. Now, Palace have been a bit of a bogey team for Spur, or for City. If, if Spurs are the ultimate City bogey team, Palace are like the junior bogey team because they have had a lot of weird games, but it's mostly been just like fluke finishing variants or like Guaita standing on his head. It hasn't necessarily been that Palace has uh, done anything special. And even when Palace was up 2-0 in the, in the reverse fixture, they came back to win. So I don't really want to play this match, but anything plus money on the City's ends to win the league now is good enough for me. And I have invested as of yesterday uh, for the first time in the Premier League futures uh, title market. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about Arsenal then. Uh, they're playing Fulham. Maybe this is a potential landmine for the Gunners. Uh, wow. Minus one seventy five on the road at Craven Cottage. Fulham four seventy five. The draw is plus three twenty. I'm expecting this number on Fulham to get bigger uh, as we get. It already has. Yeah, and I'm just expecting it to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of self control not to bet the Cottagers here, BJ. Uh, but what do you have? Uh, I mean, this line is already, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mad at myself. Arsenal was, you know, opened around minus 150, and now we're getting up to minus 180, minus 190, and I wouldn't be surprised if this gets north of uh, minus 200 by by match time. But we are recording this on Wednesday night, so, you know, we don't know what line Arsenal is going to play when they beat Sporting in Portugal. Um, but Fulham still does have some negative regression on the defensive side of the ball, just because – Brentford put three in the back of the net. That doesn't mean like all of this negative regression is just suddenly gone and Fulham's back to normal. No, they still, since the World Cup break, have now allowed seven goals off of 16.6 expected. And guess what? Fulham's defense has been really, really bad against the big six. In, let's see, seven matches, they are allowing on average 2.23 expected goals per match. And the last time they played Arsenal... Arsenal did pretty much exactly what they did to Bournemouth last weekend. They tilted the field at 83%. They created 2.6 expected goals. They had 16 penalty box shots. And if something like that happens again, and especially with Fulham, still without Paulinho, which proved to be very, very big for them against Brentford, if Arsenal is able to create their box midfield and they're able to invert Zinchenko and create those numerical advantages in the middle of the pitch, they're going to rip this Fulham defense apart. And the other big thing is that the last time when these two teams faced off, Arsenal's game-winning game-winning goal came off a set piece, which Fulham has been below average at defending this season. They've allowed the six most goals off a of set pieces, while Arsenal is the second most has the second most expected goals off a of set pieces offensively. And you know, the thing is, is like, yeah, I get it, Anthony. Like plus money on City, like they have better expected goals numbers, and the, the schedule lines up for them great. Uh, and, you know, going into this, we don't really know what's, you know, what Arsenal is going to do against Sporting. My guess is they're going to rotate quite a few guys and, and play for the second leg because they're going to take the, uh, I would guess they take the Premier League more seriously than the Europa League. But I like Arsenal's team total over one and a half. You can find it at minus 140, which I think is awfully cheap for how bad this Fulham defense has been. Uh, so, you know, I project Arsenal's goal total at 2.7. So uh, I think you're getting tremendous value on the Gunners. Uh, over one and a half goals at minus 140. Also on Sunday, Man United's minus 275 against Southampton, eight to one on the money line that draws four to one. Ooh, man. So United loses seven nil uh, to Liverpool. As I said, somebody had that as their best bet on the last podcast. Uh, but don't, that's the semantics. We just don't need you to know get BJ it. did not have United as his best bet. I did not. No. Yeah. First first time all season, BJ doesn't BJ, bet, what bet were on your, United. Were your reactions watching that that second half? Oh, it was just so beautiful. Just it just kept happening over and over and over. Every again. every bounce like, went Liverpool's way. Every bounce went Liverpool's way. Yeah. Every bounce didn't go United's way. It was just so great. It was just so great. You know, when you build your entire attack on just direct counterattacks, and like suddenly you have to sit and defend, and you don't get all these wonderful bounces, like things like that maybe can happen. Now it'll be. It's very funny with with Liverpool's case, and this is kind of going off tangent, but you know when we talk about expected goals and like regression, well, Liverpool was you know they were 
pretty overdue to, to, you know, have a big offensive output. Well, it all just came in one game. So like we're back now we're back to even with Liverpool, but yeah. No. Yeah. They, well, they, they had the two games where they put up nine and seven and yep. every other game they've run cold as ice. Um, yeah, exactly. And so it, that's why we take aggregates. That's why we look at, you know, season long stuff and, and why we, uh, you know, can't overreact to one game because yeah, they lost by seven. They got destroyed, but it doesn't necessarily mean that United's now awful. Although BJ will tell you that now uh, I'm passing on United Southampton. <laughs> yes. Just, Southampton uh, won against Leicester at home, but they weren't really that good. I mean, they lost XG yeah. despite getting a penalty. They they hung on for dear life. Uh, and I, I think it is interesting. I tweeted this during the game, United Liverpool United really struggled building out from the back against Liverpool's press just mistake after mistake. And this is the same thing Leeds did to them twice. Arsenal did it. So that's been in the last couple of months where we've seen cracks with United building out against pressure. Southampton does like to put a little bit of press in, but also they're, they're not very good at it relative to those other teams even. So they just run the risk of Rashford getting in behind twice and scoring at least one and uh, Veghorst, uh, you know, linking the play. And, and it, it just feels like the kind of game where United just kind of snaps right back and is fine, but they also do have Europa league uh, on Thursday. So it is a little bit of a weird spot, but plus one is not enough for me to get involved. So I'm passing. That is an important point about Manchester United is that, you know, Casemiro for how great he is as a defensive midfielder. Like he's not the best type of midfielder that from playing out of the back. And now they obviously don't have Christian Eriksen available. So it's some combination of Sabitzer or Fred and, that's where United kind of gets caught is they don't have that type of guy who can essentially like a guy they wanted Frankie de Jong to go back, get the ball and do the build-up play from the back. So it's something, it's something to note when United's going to play, you know, a lot more passive teams that are going to sit in low blocks who are actually decent in low blocks. Cause obviously you look at the game against Leicester. It's like, okay, yeah, they destroyed Leicester and they were trying to sit in the low block, but um, that is an important point because yeah, United has been really, really good when they can just sit deep and counter a lot of these teams. Um, but yeah, it's a good point, Anthony, that, you know, if suddenly they're not just getting all these direct counterattacks and they actually have to build out from the back against good pressing teams, they kind of tend to crumble a little bit. Bournemouth is minus 300, uh, to be relegated. Southampton's minus 200. Everton also odds on they're minus 110. Leeds plus 162. Forest plus 175. West Ham, Leicester, Wolves and Chelsea, uh, excuse me, Crystal Palace are all between plus 450 uh, and eight to one. Uh, coming into this weekend in the drop zone, it's it's Everton at 22 points, then Southampton and Bournemouth both on 21, Leeds also on 22, and then West Ham at 23, Leicester 24, and Forest 26, Wolves Palace both at 27. So really fun relegation battle if you're not me. On to West Ham. They're plus 120 hosting Aston Villa, plus 240. The draw is plus 230. I like the Hammers here at home. I think we're starting to see this team head in the right direction a little bit, even though that they, they, they've only won one of their last three and it's incredibly frustrating to, to keep going back to this. Well, but they, I mean, they're in 16th place in the premier league. I just gave you their, their relegation odds. Their expected goal differential is plus 1.4. They should be around 10 in in the league. Uh, they should probably be ahead of a team like Fulham. Uh, it's the defensive masterclass of uh, David Moyes that drives this bus. And Villa's been kind of all over the place with their results. They are coming in off two uh, back-to-back wins, but Palace, the 1-0 game against Palace that BJ dubbed the the most boring game uh He's ever seen in prime time outside of the NFL. And then, of course, oh, so uh, that, to be fair, they did stick that in the, the 10 a.m. window, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, and look, they, they they did play pretty well defensively against Palace. Didn't give up anything. Uh, but that was at home. Going on the road should be a different story. They they gave up 4.6 expected goals to Arsenal and Everton in the matches before that. 3.6 to City in the match before that. And then 2.6 uh, to Leicester in the match before that. And then... They also gave up more than two goals, expected goals to lead. So this is just the type of defense that West Ham should be able to build a margin where their defense matters. So I, I like the hammers here. Uh, BJ, what about you? I do too. I think it's a great buy low spot for them. You know, I mentioned the game against Crystal Palace. 
uh, you know, Palace did get a red card about the 60th minute and they only created had three shots and 0.2 expected goals. But the Aston Villa defense, I think, is still quite bad. Ever since Stevenage knocked them out of the FA Cup, last seven matches, you mentioned it, Michael, all their expected goals they allowed, that's 14 expected goals in their last seven matches. That's not good. That's just, that's just flat out not good. And, I mean, listen, for West Ham, that was – that was a terrible defensive performance against Brighton. Uh, but in the previous seven matches before that, none of their opponents had created over one and a half expected goals. They're still fifth in the Premier League in non-penalty expected goals allowed. They've been much better defensively at home versus on the road, 1.08 at home versus 3.2 expected goals per match on the road. And the West Ham offense is very good when matches become transitional, which I'm guessing this match is going to be. Uh, it's a good match for... You know, a good, I think, mirror of what this match is probably going to turn out to be is the Everton-Aston Villa match, where it became very up and down, where Everton was constantly looking dangerous with direct attacks. They I mean, Everton did create 1.9 expected goals. West Ham has the third highest direct speed in the Premier League. They're very capable of pressing high when they want to and disrupting build-up play, which is a problem for Aston Villa is that when they play sides, when Unai Emery says, okay, yeah, we can build out of the back. This team's not a big pressing team, similar to Everton. We'll just play out of the back. And then those teams just constantly will force high turnovers, get the ball moving forward when Aston Villa is out of position. And suddenly that's when you see teams like Leicester putting four in the back of the net. And I'm just not really sure how this Aston Villa offense is going to consistently break down one of the best low blocks in the Premier League, unless this game again, becomes transitional, which is kind of what West Ham wants. Aston Villa is also going to be without Coutinho. He's second on the team in progressive passes uh, and carries per 90. They're going to be without Kamara, who has come, become one of a, a rock in the middle of their midfield. Uh, he's third, you know, second most tackles plus interceptions uh, for Aston Villa. So I have West Ham projected at minus 106. You know, Aston Villa has not been good away from home, uh, about a minus six expect a goal differential while West Ham does have a plus 3.3 expect a goal differential at home. So I don't love that West Ham has to go to Cyprus for a Europa conference league match on Thursday. I don't love that, but again, they're in the relegation fight. They have to take this very, very seriously. So uh, I like this. I think this is just a really good buy low spot for West Ham. So I'm with you, Mike, I like the hammers plus plus one twenty. All right, let's wrap up the premier league with Newcastle and Wolverhampton. Newcastle's minus minus one fifty four at home wolves plus four fifty and the draw. Plus 275. Another one that I'm got really no interest in. I think it's going to be a slog. Kind of sets up that way. Maybe Newcastle with a another draw, but uh gonna kind of probably pass on this eleven thirty. Did they really did pick some some good standalone matches here this week, BJ? Uh what do you got? I do like I think this is a good buy low spot here for Newcastle at minus one fifty. Uh I do project them north of minus two hundred. So um the thing about this is, is that I think this match sets up pretty well for them for what Wolves likes to do. You know, Wolves isn't just a, a low block and direct counterattacking style team. Like, no, they're very possession-based in the defensive half half of the pitch, trying to build out from the back, which is exactly what Newcastle wants you to do. They want to set their pressing traps. They want to get the ball moving forward. And listen, you know, Newcastle has fallen off a little bit. Now they're down to sixth place. So, you know, it's, it's panic time, right? Well, not really. It's been a tough schedule for them, right? I mean, they've played, they... Got beat by Liverpool 2 nothing at St. James Park. It was their first blemish there this season. They obviously got the red card in the 20th minute after giving up two goals. But again, like we've mentioned many times, they did still create north of two expected goals in that match. Then they went to the League Cup final. They lost to Manchester United, although expected goals is pretty even there. And then they got pretty uh, soundly beat by Manchester City. But now they're coming home after playing three of the best, three, three big six clubs, facing a Wolves team that... That Tottenham match was just Wolves again. Like they just keep doing it over, just like Wolves in a nutshell. It's just a ton of shots from distance. It's all low quality chances. And to do that against a Newcastle defense that has been one of the best in the Premier League and is allowing, especially at home, I mean, they've allowed 10 expected goals in 12 matches. I do not know how this Wolves attack is even going to threaten the, the Newcastle box here. Nick Pope is back in goal. Everything is fine. Uh, and the Newcastle attack, uh, you know, they obviously haven't scored in their last three matches, but they have created around four expected goals. So uh, I think it's a good buy low spot here for Newcastle. I project them at minus 215. So I like Eddie House side at minus 150. Anthony, you want to uh, take a stab here at Newcastle and Wolves? 
Yeah, so I bet the under in both of these teams' matches last week. City under three against Newcastle. Wolves under two and a half against Tottenham. And both games were pretty comfortably under. And I thought, when I looked at the schedule and just like first glance, what do I think the total will be? I was like, oh yeah, it'll be two and a quarter. I won't have a play. Uh, And then I went and I looked and I was like, wait a minute, two and a half minus 121, 125? Uh, Yes, please. I'll take the under again. Uh, it's pretty much exactly what I said last week about both of these two teams. My opinion has not changed. I think the market is too high on this Newcastle attack. I still think I believe in the Newcastle defense, which really didn't play bad against City, I thought. Uh, and of course, you know, everything BJ said about the Wolves attack remains true. This is my fourth Wolves under since January 22nd. We're 3-0. Uh, I think some of the goals they scored when Lopetegui first came in, they did play like a 2-1, like three straight 2-1 kind of games. And there was a 3-0 in there. I guess it's driven the market up. The perception on this team is that they're a good attack now and they're, you know, sitting at two and a half. Remember, Wolves over started because those totals were sitting at two, two and a quarter. And I was like, these are too low. Like this defense stinks. Well, their defense has gotten better. The attack has not gotten any better at all. They still stink. Uh, and now the totals are sitting at two and a half. So I'm going to take the under uh, and expect this to be a one or two goal game. Again, I do think Newcastle will win. Uh, I agree with BJ. They have had a tough run of fixtures uh, at home against Wolves not the toughest of fixtures. There are tougher and they're definitely easier. It's kind of in the middle, but uh, I agree uh, that this will be, or I think this will be a low scoring game. All right, Bundesliga. Uh, I'm going to save mine uh, for the underdog section. So we'll go to you, BJ. Yeah, I like Cologne on Friday afternoon uh, against Bochum. I think it's a really good spot for them. They haven't scored uh, in three matches, but they have created about two and a half uh, expected goals. And this Bochum defense is just, it's one of the worst in, in the Bundesliga. They're allowing 1.95 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're dead last in both non-penalty expected goals for and against. They have shown no signs of improving on defense. The last time the, the, two, these two teams faced off, uh, <laughs> Cologne, it was a 1-1 draw. Cologne created over two expected goals and held Bochum to just 0.2. I project Cologne north of minus 200. You know, Anthony's been mentioning we're just betting this team every single week. Well, here I am betting them once again. So I like Cologne minus 155. They did cash for, for me last week. Not on the yeah. money line, though, of course. Another nil nil for Union. That regret of the week was not taking the 0 0 draw. <laughs> Cologne. Never looked like either team was going to score. Which, in that match. Before before we get off this Which podcast, remind me okay with. that 0 0 draw in Union Derby on Thursday in the Europa League. I will do that. Uh, Anthony. All right, it's time. Don't do this. It's time. <laughs> it's time again, my friends. Wow. Borussia Mönchengladbach, <laughs> plus 1.5. And I'll be discussing them further in the in the money line section as to why I like it. This is my little teaser. I'll give the full handicap in the money line section. Uh, let's move on to La Liga. I'm going to be on Bilbao against Barcelona, my boys, from the Basque country. Anthony, you also have a play in this one, right? I do. I like the over. Uh, La Liga has been an awful, awful watch since the World Cup, unless except for that Atleti match against Sevilla, which ended like 6-2. Uh, La Liga has been an under machine since the World Cup. They have Nobody can score goals. Nobody can finish chances. Uh, XG is down, but finishing is down even more. And the market has overreacted on some of these games. There's a few games this weekend uh, that I think the totals are low. One of them is this game, uh, Atleti and Barca. We've talked over and over again about Barca's defense and how they've held up, uh, but haven't been quite as good as maybe the market and the numbers uh, and the XG suggests. And I think that's true. I think it's a good spot to fade them. Uh, and I think both teams score in this match. And uh, I don't dislike a shot on over two and a half as well. Really what happens sometimes, uh, game state matters in totals much more than sides, of course. But when you get a 0-0 game, you know, and you have an underdog who doesn't want to take any chances, doesn't want to make the game transitional, wants to keep the game slow, you'll still get scoring opportunities, but if they never go in, the team never has a reason to change their their approach. But if you get that one early goal or that one first half, you know, we get more first half goals, which XG and, and regression suggest is coming, uh, then everything changes, right? The team has to come out, they have to play more. It's kind of similar to what we, we said during the World Cup where like, you know, Neither of teams are going to play not to lose, but if one goal happens, they have to change. And I think that's kind of similar to what's been happening in La Liga. And uh, eventually we will see some more goals. And I think this is a good game for it. So I like over and BTTS. Uh, anything for you, 
PJ in, in La Liga? Yeah, how about Girona Atletico Madrid over two and a half at plus 115? Forget everything you thought you knew about Diego Simeone, Michael, because this Atletico team now is an offensive juggernaut. Just put six past Sevilla, <laughs> created three expected goals this past weekend. But the defensive numbers are down quite a bit for Atletico this season. They're now eighth in non-penalty expected goals. All the other defensive metrics, they're sitting around 7th or 8th. They're still number one team in La Liga in terms of uh, final third to penalty box entry uh, conversion rate. But this Girona team, man, they, if you want to look at La Liga overs, they're the one carrying it. I mean, they're coming off a a 2-3 match with Getafe, which if you know anything about Getafe historically is one of the most defensive teams in Spain. The match before that, they played, they won a 3-2 thriller with at with athletic Bilbao, they put six past Almeria the week before that. And since we came back from the World Cup, I mean, they're averaging one and a half expected goals per 90 minutes in the most defensive league in Europe and Europe's top five leagues. So I think we're going to see another back and forth type match here, uh, especially with Atletico not being in Europe anymore. They're going to have to be very aggressive and still keep that top spot in or keep the top four spot in Spain. So and I do project around 2.8 goals for this match. So over two and a half at plus 115 in Girona and Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid. Syria, ah, Anthony, what do you have? It's a little bit sacrilegious on this podcast to uh, bet against Jose Mourinho in Roma, but I actually think this is a decent spot. I have not actually video. They, they put out a beautiful video of, of Jose in the crowd singing Roma, Roma. It was just the win against Juve we, the other night. Yeah, we just we just oh, love him. We just love amazing. him so much. You could use him at Tottenham right now. I can tell you that. Home much. underdog to Juventus. Oh, holy cow. Uh, the game is pretty even, but uh, we won. So they ah. closed right around two to one, which is insane. Yeah. I know it's because Tammy Abraham was out or he was on the bench, but still. Yeah. So this is a sandwich spot for Roma. Uh, Europa League. I'm expecting a very competitive tie with Sociedad. So they have Sassuolo at home. I think Sassuolo. The one thing I don't like about Sassuolo, the thing that scares me, and I think that you know the main reason that they have underperformed this season, is that they have really bad goalkeeping. And if you watch it and you look at the history, like it's a, con- a pretty consistent thing that they are not getting plus goalkeeping. But uh, Roma is kind of the one good team that I'm less worried about the goalkeeping with because they just don't get that many shots. I mean, this is a Mourinho team, right? They get up a goal, they're going to sit on it. Um, they are right around 10th in the league in shots per 90. So yes, there might be like one or two big chances that Roma will inevitably create here because that's how their attack is really built, but they're not going to be unloading shots from distance or uh, looking to exploit that weakness as much. Uh, and I do think they're potentially flat here. Just Willow continues to be a good buy low. They've been playing a lot better themselves. Uh, so I'm going to actually bet against Roma. It's sitting at, Plus one, the best number I saw is minus 140 for Sassuolo. So I'm actually waiting a little bit. I think it might come down. Uh, it, it depends on you know what Mourinho does with Abraham too. Uh, but I will be looking to play Sassuolo. And of course, if it is a one-goal lead, Mourinho doesn't even try to score. So that, that one is key uh, because if it's 1-0 or 2-1 late, like Roma, just it's, it's time to park the bus. They don't even really try to get a third so or a second goal to go ahead. So uh, I like the Sassuolo spot. Waiting on the number. Uh, BJ, anything for you here? Yeah, I have a grudge bet. It's right. uh, AC Milan team total over two and a half at plus 120 against my boys, Salar, Nee, Tana, who are going to survive relegation yet again, again with the worst expected goal differential. You in, keep fading them. Yeah. Uh, this is the worst defense in Italy. They're dead last in non friendly expected goals. They're dead last in progressive passes and dribbles allowed. They're second to last in box entries, final third entries allowed. Basically everything that you would not want against a team like AC Milan, who is very, very good at progressing the ball up, up the pitch. Obviously, this is a uh, coming off a Champions League match on the road at Tottenham, but the top four battle in Serie A is really, really good right now. And now it's looked like today, like Juventus might get out of their 15-point deduction with a clerical error, uh, which is going to be hilarious. Uh, I haven't read too much into it, but I saw a headline that said they might get out of it. So, but again, so AC Milan has to take this match very, very seriously. They've been putting in good offensive outputs as of late. They put over two up over two expected goals against Monza. The match after that, they put up 1.8 against Atalanta, who is also a very good defensive team. And Salernitana, when they have to face one of these top six, seven type 
uh, teams in Serie A, they just crumble. I mean, they've allowed three expected goals to Atalanta, over three to Lazio, 2.2 to that crappy Juventus team, 2.8 to Fiorentina, over three expected goals to uh, Sassuolo even. But even the last match against Milan absolutely crushed them. Milan created over two and a half expected goals. They won the match 2 nothing. They were constantly tilting the field and threatening Salonitano's penalty area. So I project Milan for 2.7 goals. So over two and a half at plus 120 is a fantastic price for me. Uh, and I think we're going to see another offensive explosion like we saw uh, in the match where Atalanta beat Salonitano 8-2 because they've kept two clean sheets against Monza and Sampdoria, but conceded over two expected goals. All right, uh, on to League 1. I may be on the other side there. <laughs> we'll see. Just to spite BJ, Sampdoria, Salonitana, uh, he he doesn't he doesn't respect them. But Ochoa is no. a goal, and so I we know. have to factor that in. That he's worth like a goal per match, just like Michael Keane. Uh, Anthony, what do you got for us in France? Yeah, Friday afternoon, uh, Lille plays Lyon. Should be a good match. Uh, excited for it. These teams have played twice this season. Lyon was the better team in both matches. Didn't win either of them. Uh, now they're at home, only minus 110. Seems a little short to me. I'll have a full preview in the Action app. You can read it there. Uh, it'll be up on Thursday. And BJ? I'm going to go Ajaxio on the island at home, draw no bet, at plus 105. They're one of the more they're one of the more underrated teams throughout France. I mean, even at home, they have, you know, they're at north of a minus 10 actual goal differential. They actually have a positive expect a goal differential on the island and really it's just a very very underrated attack i mean they've scored 19 goals off of a little over 30 expected and even defensively they've given up 47 goals off of 35 expected very very underrated side who's actually been pretty good at home they did put in a good offensive performance and then the last time got some positive regression back when they played troy created over two and a half expected goals against them and montpellier if you know anything about france they're just like this team that's always going to be sitting there in like 14th or 15th place. They're never going to be really threatening for relegation. They're never going to be battling for a European spot. And they're coming off a 5-0 win over Angers, who have completely quit on this season. Um, they've been overperforming as of late. I mean, they've scored 10 goals, up around 7 expected in their last three matches. The last time these two teams faced off, uh, Montpellier won 2-0, but expected goals was pretty even. So I really don't think that this – a Jaxio team, especially on the island where they're very, very underrated, uh, should be an underdog at home. So a Jaxio draw no bet for me in France. All right, uh, time for the underdog parlay. Got a bit of a whopper here. Uh, I think I actually have the shortest dog of the three of us for the first time, maybe ever, uh, but it's not that short. Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, so I tease it already. Uh, it's Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, you can find them as high as plus 650 against RB Leipzig. And look, on a week-to-week basis, I have I've pretty much given up betting Gladbach. I mean, the defensive numbers have fallen off. They have not been as consistent as they were, uh, you know, a, a year or two ago uh, when they were much better and competing, you know, week in, week out in those top six, top four places. Uh, they've fallen off, you know, and even after the big win against Bayern, what they do? They went to Mines and got roped 3-0. So now we get Leipzig in a horrendous spot with the Champions League looming. Leipzig just had their dreams of the title pretty much dashed at Dortmund in a 2-1 loss. They, they don't really have a realistic chance at the title anymore. And so I think at least for a couple of weeks, you're going to see them focusing on this city match. Uh, and what that means is that Gladbach is ripe to pick them off. And it's not like Gladbach doesn't love an upset. They've beaten Leipzig at home earlier this season, destroyed them. They rolled Dortmund. And they beat Bayern. And I know there was a red card in the Bayern game, but they won the XG in all three of those games. So it's not like uh, Gladbach is getting fortunate to win these matches. They're, they're, uh, they play up well. And why? Uh, Kone, especially in the midfield, they're very good at when they do turn possession. They like to be a possession team that doesn't really press. They kind of sit off a little bit. But when they play these better teams, they're actually very good at kind of adapting winning the ball, and then immediately springing guys in behind. You saw that in the Bayern match if you watched it. Uh, and so I think that will work against this Leipzig team. I mean, that's how Dortmund beat them in the first half. So I'm going to roll with the Foles, plus 650, and I'm going to take them on the spread as well. Let's stay in Germany. I like Schalke, plus 375 against oh, yeah. Dortmund. 
in the Riviera Derby. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Dortmund, one of three teams in Europe that has yet to lose a match uh, since the World Cup. They're due for some some poor finishing luck. 22 goals on about 16 expected since then. And they also haven't really played that tough a schedule uh, since the World Cup. So maybe the numbers are a little inflated. They also just lost to Chelsea on Tuesday in a Champions League match where they were up 1-0, heading to Stamford Bridge. So a little bit of a letdown spot. I know it's a derby, but uh, not, a, not a great spot regardless. Schalke, by the way, they're in the middle of a relegation scrap. And they seem to have just throwing the book at the def- at being a defensive side. One goal allowed in their last six matches in the Bundesliga. It's absurd. Uh, six six point three expected goals. So yeah, some defensive regression, but six. It's one expected goal allowed per per match for this team since the World Cup. Basically, only five total goals in those games too. Would they have four nil nil draws in a row? In the Bundesliga, this is beautiful. Turn this thing into a rock fight. Get them at plus three seventy five. What should be a raucous atmosphere? Um, like I kind of agree with the yeah, side. It's, they're not. They're not the worst team in the Bundesliga. Yeah. That, sure. yeah, this is a this is a smash spot. That they're they should be minus one ten. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but no, they, they it's a good price in a derby. You throw the book out the window at the at, as all as, derby, at derby even money both yeah. ways. Uh, so Schalke for me. PJ, what do you have? Almeria, four to one. You want to take a guess who they're playing? Sevilla. One of my favorite teams. I my favorite spot, my favorite thing about this entire season, well, all the leagues, is just fading Sevilla week in and week out. It's been so much fun. And I cannot wait. I'm probably gonna be 50 years old by the time this happens. When Lazio finally turns into what Sevilla is right now, I'm gonna enjoy it so much. I'm very much enjoying what's happening in Sevilla right now. They're in a sandwich spot. They're going to have to put everything into the Europa League because they have no shot at getting to a European spot in Spain. And they're getting dangerously close to the relegation battle as well. And this Almeria team, listen, they're very, very bad defensively, but they are in the top half of La Liga in non-penalty expected goals. They are a pretty good at counterattacking side. They're fifth in final third of penalty box entry uh, conversion rate. Sevilla, somebody who's been very, very bad in transition defense and really bad defensively overall this season. I mean, we just obviously we just mentioned got just got six put past them by Atletico Madrid. And again, you know, the Salmeria team, they pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the La Liga season. They beat Barcelona at home. And it wasn't like a fluke one-nil win. Like it was very, very even match on expected goals. Barcelona just got caught in a sleepy spot. And I think that's what Sevilla is going to be here. I mean, we cashed with Osasuna two weeks ago. So let's just go right back to Sevilla. Uh, so Almeria at four to one for me. And they beat Sevilla earlier this season as well. I think you Almeria. bet them. I think we both had them that day. We did. It was the uh, Umar Sadiq coming out party. And then he immediately got uh, sold to Sociedad and Torres ACL. Shaka. By the way, you know who the second oldest team in Italy is? The Roma? It's Lazio. Of course they are. Second oldest team. And that's what Sevilla was going into thank, this season. Thank God for Alcamar on uh, Tuesday. On Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, because that made up for the the match against Napoli, where of course they scored a deflection goal from outside the box. One hundred seventy-seven to one, Schalke, Gladbach, and Almeria. Uh, does there feel good. Go. Uh, this one, especially, it's nice not to have a Premier League team in there. Yeah, for once. Um, but we will have three Premier League teams in this section. Our favorite bets in the EPL for the upcoming match week. BJ, we can go first. Brighton team total over one and a half. At Leeds, at even money, uh, this Brighton offense is absolutely electric under Roberto De Zerbi. Since he's taken over, they're averaging over two expected goals per match. Their last seven matches, they have created 16.2 expected goals, created 11 big scoring chances. And this match sets up perfectly for them. For a team like Leeds who wants to press high and give them pressure, Brighton does the best job of any team in the Premier League at playing through pressure, at baiting teams in, and just playing right through you. The last time two, these two teams faced off, Brighton won the match 1-0 at the Amex, but they created two expected goals. And that was before guys like Mitoma and Ferguson, who are the, two of their most productive attackers right now, that was before they were even in the lineup. And Leeds, although they do do a good job of pressing when they faced the top five teams in offensive pass per defensive action, so essentially the five best teams at playing through teams that can press them intensely, 
They've allowed 9.3 expected goals in those five matches. So I think this is a perfect spot here for Brighton. It's obviously going to be a very aggressive approach with Leeds pressing a lot. So it worries me a little bit that Leeds might sneak a goal in here. So, but I do project Brighton for two expected goals. So I like their team total over one and a half at even money. I'm going to take Chelsea, uh, short road favorite, minus 106 at Leicester City. Leicester City's defense is been shambles for two years now. It's still shambles. Chelsea, meanwhile, the offense is starting to maybe show some signs of life finally under Graham Potter. 16.2 expected goals, but only seven goals scored uh, in the Premier League. There's not a better fit for this team to be playing, and not a better team, not a better matchup than this Leicester City team, even at home. So give me the Blues to trend, to continue trending in the right direction, buoyed by a nice Champions League win during the midweek. Anthony, what is your favorite bet? Liverpool and Bournemouth, both teams to score yes. Bournemouth's attack has trended up considerably. Remember, we were fading them uh, throughout most of November and then December. Coming out of the World Cup break, they were really struggling to score. They've had an infusion of new ideas and new attackers, and it's really helped them. And they are now undervalued, I believe, to score in this match, as they were the last two matches against Man City and Arsenal when they were able to find the back of the net. Liverpool's attack has shown an ability to score in bunches. They've really improved. But if you watch those games, there are still flaws defensively. And I don't think Liverpool will ever get back quite to the level that uh, it was at at the peak under Klopp this season. I don't think that is coming back. I don't think that level of defensive pressing ability will be there. And so this price, given that, is pretty surprising. Uh, I know Bournemouth's the worst attack for the season in the Prem, but the form indicates that I have to go with uh, both teams to score here. There you have it. Another episode of Wonder Goal presented by Bet365 is in the books. We will be back on Monday morning to look at the next batch of Champions League matches. But until then, for BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Lieboff wishing you the best of luck with your bets this weekend. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.